When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to this week's episode of... Is this place haunted? I was trying to be Irish. <laughs> is this like, place haunted in it? Like, do you know what? We do it in Scottish, we do it in English. I'm good. I was like, in my head, this week Irish, next week Welsh. Is this... I can, do you know, sometimes I can do a Welsh accent. It's a hard sentence to say in an Irish accent, unless you're Irish. Is this place haunted? This week haunted it is. Is it pure haunted? Sure, it's haunted it is. <laughs> I'm so sorry to the nation of Ireland. I know, I'm sorry. Massive apologies. Can I actually put a wee caveat ahead of this episode out? Sorry, not caveat. Can I apologise for something? Yeah, of course. So last week, and we were talking about Meghan Markle, and I made a comment about, oh, Americans are just like that. And I think I kind of generalised Americans as being up themselves and loud and stuff like that. I don't think that all Americans are like that. I think there's an aspect of like... Whenever did you get that idea? <laughs> yeah. I think, there's a, I think there's an aspect of the kind of American culture where they're quite empowered and like, you know, to... to they're quite forward people. compared to us. They are quite forward. They can Especially be... Especially awkward Brits. Yeah, they can be self-confident. And I guess that's what I meant. I'm not even slighting Meghan Markle, right? If she's an empowered kind of self-belief person. Oh, like, but like, So I hugely apologise to our American listeners because I'm aware there are quite a few of them and stuff. And sorry about that comment. Um, you know, we can be massive fannies as well in general. <laughs> so, Oh my God, massively. Massively. Also, can I apologise for all the swearing I did in the last episode as well? That was too much. I have to say, though, you did say the C word in context of Tories. So in my eyes, it's justified, I think. I know, but I think I, th- I think I said it too much. I think I was just wound up from something I'd probably eh. read. And I was like, nah. So apologies for the slight on Americans and also the C word getting flashed about like Navy's business last week. 
Just speaking of the C words, though, have you seen the release today about how much extra they get for expenses on top of their salary? I don't, don't, because the C word's going to start tripling off the tongue again. Of the 17 million that is awarded as expenses to MPs in last year, 15.1 of that was to Tory MPs. They're scumbags. So they, so they can't afford to pay nurses and doctors and real workers and teachers. It's not even, you know, speaking to my friend today, by the way, who's a teacher, and I was actually, it's not about necessarily even the pay. I think pay is significant and stuff like that, but it's also about addressing the fact that there's huge huge issues with discipline and the way that education is structured in this company country as well and like we have to reform it the nhs the same the infrastructure needs fundamental to be- issues in the nhs and it is going to crumble whether you pay it properly or not yeah yeah exactly it's like oh yeah give them more money of course we should but also look at their working conditions like they're- why are we striking yeah why are you striking it should be not just for pay it should be for the whole thing should be rethought and stuff so um, well i've got some exciting news though I am writing an article for The Guardian. Shut the front door. Are you serious? Seriously, I've been speaking to a journalist on it and we're going to write about being a junior doctor in the current climate. Babes, you're too much. Every week you're like, oh my God, I just started this. Oh my God, I did this. You're <laughs> I'm so neurodivergent, sad. babes. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I booked a holiday today and I was like, that's it. I don't need to do any other work. What a <laughs> Congrats, babes. Listen, love it. Absolutely. Congratulations. And get that ass out, get that out there as soon as possible. 100%. 100%. Because as I say to people, and you know, I have, I studied nursing before I did medicine. So I've been on both sides. Mm-hmm. Neither are paid adequately for what either person does as their job. Uh, but when I was a first year qualified junior doctor, which was the scariest year of my life, you're straight out of uni and you're like in charge of 100 plus people. Mm. I got paid hour for hour when you worked it out for how many hours I worked, about £11 an hour. That's shocking, isn't it? That was £3 less an hour than I got as a nurse. But you're also working insane hours under insane pressure. Like, it's mental. You know what I mean? And then, like, they're, like, expected to make life and death situations in those conditions. Decisions, yeah. It's mental, like... So nobody can come at me and say like I actually got a bit sassy with my dad because he said doctors are paid well and I'm like we're not though we're not I'm just okay now because I'm looking through a private agency yeah but that's exactly what we shouldn't have to do we should have an NHS that pays and looks after us that we can look after you yeah like I just think that the 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 both public sector, any pub part of the public sector has been running the ground and stuff like that, especially over the last 12 years, by the way, everyone. And Went to buy C-words again. Yeah, by the C-words. And it's like, yeah, there needs to be protests in the streets. Like, you know, um, there's loads of different, uh, like I said, education in the NHS is in the same boat and I really can't be, I can't be doing it. Like, you know, some of my teacher friends and stuff like that, like there's no, there's so much, no discipline in schools now that like, Kids just I know it's crazy and as much as like we've made it very clear that we're pop- we're pro-Scottish independence the SNP has a lot to answer for well, for education and healthcare yeah. as well on both yeah uh, absolutely on healthcare on education, education. I mean my, my friend's mum is a primary teacher and she's either retired or I think she's retired now and she was like, by the time I left, there was like no such thing as discipline. Yeah. There was no such thing as structure. It's all about feelings. 
and like there is a time and a place for that but also like I need to teach children yeah you need to have some because of the curriculum of it for excellence and stuff like there's no like measurement of how to actually judge how a child is doing because it's all about you know what do you think and it's like no you need to set a bar you need to have like some sort of way of judging how a child is performing and have the structure in place and the rigor in place to actually implement that you know what I mean it's like it's ridiculous like 100% I have dated a couple of people who are social workers and all of them who have worked with kids were like kids need structure to feel safe yeah need boundaries and they need structure to feel safe because if you're not going to put them in that's what makes a child feel unsafe and I feel like just being all whimsical with children's education babes this is turning into half politics podcast we're going to have to do some Patreon politics now I know I know we'll need to um well no I agree right and I'll tell you why because like when I had because I I have a stepdaughter um you know from a former relationship and stuff like that and I have to say I'm quite a, not a hard parent, but like I'm very, very into like routine. Disciplinarian. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I have to say, my ch- child, because I still consider her to be that, even though our relationship's ended yeah. and stuff, um, I think she benefited from a lot of that routine and structure and actually being like, no, you need to do this at this time. You need to. And, you know, I don't think that my child, my step kid will ever turn around to me and say that she wasn't, she didn't appreciate that because I think she did. Yeah. Um, and I think she's a it's about feeling safe, isn't it? It's about feeling safe. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not not saying that my former partner didn't do the same, like, but I think that us together as a parent, as a as a group, that we that's how we raised our stepchild, and I think for all the other things that go on in life, I think she did benefit from that. You know what I mean? I think like it's going to make her a good adult. You know what I mean? So anyway, shall we vote for us for prime minister, guys? <laughs> Yeah, but Prime Minister next. Imagine we were the first podcast in power. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> the pod of power. That's what we should call our next podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so like let's crack on with the episode because I know it was like 20 minutes worth of conversation last week before we actually got into it. And even though it was fantastic material, by the way, and I think people do like us to get right into the nitty. Uh, I'm just gonna use this moment to be like, um, just a reminder, we do have Patreon for more tangents. Yeah. We went on a massive tangent in this week's one. We were speaking about Luther documentaries, obviously Bravo, and I can't remember what else. There was a lot of tangents in that one. Yeah, we're just going off from one. I think that, um, guys, if you want us to do a lot more political ranting, because we do have like quite a lot of informed opinion, like say that to us, like messages or whatever, if you like, like people that listen to the podcast normally if you like a certain topic for us to cover i'm happy to do it like i'd love to have a political podcast because i've got a lot of opinions <laughs> even if that even if it ends up being a patreon exclusive for people who want to hear it great we we can do that 100 we shall so thank you for listening guys and for our patrons thank you for subscribing if you already have if you haven't yet it's worth a go but this week, a month, guys <laughs> yeah so this week I've decided to keep it in Scotland because that seems to be what people love. So this is a bit of close to heart for me because um, I'll explain why in a second, but I literally, well, I actually, I'll explain now. I used to live literally round the corner from where this took place. No way. In your haunted house as well? In Candlemaker Row, yeah. Oh, that one. This is set in the grass market in old Edinburgh. So buckle up, guys. I'm going to take you through. And I've actually written all of this down. So I'm going to be kind of reading a script this week instead of like ad-libbing, which I normally do. I've not even heard of this. Oh, 
buckle in, babes. It's time for a little bit of thing. So Westbow House was once recognised as Edinburgh's most haunted house. It was the home of Major Tom Thomas Weir, more famously known as the Wizard of Westbow. So Westbow has long been one of the most famed streets in Edinburgh Old Town. Okay, first recorded um, in 1160, it was originally named for, for one of the earliest gates of the medieval city, Bow, meaning arch. When the Stone King's Wall um, round the city was built in the 15th century, the West Bow was the only approach from the West through, winding up the hill towards the lawn market. The West Bow area still exists today, known uh, known to sit between Victoria Street and Victoria Terrace. That's found, so cool. Yeah, found um, down sort of you know down uh, between uh, Grass Market to the Lawn Market. So it's the winding street basically that comes down from the High Street down to the Grass Market. If you're familiar with Edinburgh, now I used to live just off the Grass Market and probably one of the oldest streets in Edinburgh. Um, called Candlemaker Row Um, and my as I've mentioned before I used to have a flat that sat on the very I mean you can literally walk by my flat now and there was a view from my bedroom window that would look into the elephant room um, which has now been burnt down actually sadly I don't know if it's fixed yet yeah it has Um, and also when you used to go out into my like you could open up my window as you know and then you could crawl out of the window and you'd literally be sitting on a on a, a tomb of someone in Greyfriars Kirkyard. So I lived in the very heart of Edinburgh and it was an incredibly interesting, beautiful flat, but also I would say pretty haunted, to be honest with you, which tis within my nature to do this. So throughout the 19th century, West Bow was a thriving centre of shops and trade, just as it is today, um, but was particularly known for its pewters and metal workers. In 1843, the author and traveller James Ballantyne described it in his book, The Galbalsy's Wallet. This contained a detailed narrative of the sights and sounds observed by the author. Now, I was going to read out like his whole spiel about like basically how he describes it, like the sights and sounds as described and stuff like that. But um, you you should probably go and read it yourself because it's quite a, a lengthy piece, but it kind of describes the atmosphere of the time. Um, as well as Thomas Weir, who's going to be the subject of this podcast, the street was known to be home of many notable people. Um, over the time Major Weir lived there, the street was filled with sort of religious people. So it was predominantly people that were involved in like the sort of Presbyterian church, very kind of pious and judgmental. And they would get together and they would pray in different like houses on the on the street, as well as kind of like in the streets themselves. It's just where people had like common beliefs. Um, they could kind of like come. What's the word I'm looking for? They would congregate together in like that particular area, which I actually wasn't aware of that it was such a sort of religious like hub of like Edinburgh at the time. Um, so Lord Rutven also was a resident of Westbow at one point. What known as that... where? What a great name! I know. I'm like Rutven. Was also resident there, and he was known as the man who first stabbed David Rizzio, Mary Queen of Scots' secretary. What? Yeah, this took place in the Palace of Holyrood House on the 9th of March in 1566. More recently, the West Bow 
or Victoria Street as it's known today. I mean, there is the West Bow that still sits there, obviously, but like the whole thing was called that, but now it's called Victoria Street. Um, it has been linked with J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter. As we know, she actually wrote Harry Potter on like, I don't know, napkins or whatever in the Elephant House, um, the place that's just been burnt down actually fairly recently. Um, but they believe that the inspiration for Diagon Alley was Victoria Street. So it's yeah, I've heard that. I've read that about it. It's so I actually think it might be, and I know she, I don't know if she's actually publicly, I mean, I know she's very controversial to discuss these days because of her, like, opinions and stuff like that, but um, I think that J.K. Rowling maybe based it more on Candlemaker Road because it makes more sense to have it there because that's such a little windy street and stuff, but the thing about Victoria Street is, for anyone that plans to visit Edinburgh, it's really colourful and vibrant, there's a lot of really interesting shops, there's a stunning cheesemonger down there and Mexican. my favourite Mexican is there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and there's a couple of really good bars and stuff like that, so I mean, I recommend anyone if you're going to Edinburgh from abroad and our, our, our fans are in America make it your, like make it your thing to go to the old town because there's such like unique sites down there and of course we, the should, grand- do, we should do a haunted Edinburgh tour is this place to do we should and we should totally record it both and we'll be like oh my god here we're going into this bit um of course the grass market has like quite a dark history though as well as being a kind of place for trade it also was where a lot of like sort of prominent hangings would happen you know like it was a place where people would gather in the city to watch the condemned be like publicly executed and stuff like that so it's got a lot of dark history around about that point as well because the old town comparatively to the new town that was built much later in the sort of 18th century or whatever um i'm really speculating there um that's where like the sort of poverty and like you know up for thousands of years people like lived there basically and like and essentially in squalor whereas the new town in edinburgh is all for like the new money and it's quite rich and stuff like that and it's still like that today i mean you could not yeah. afford that in the fucking new town let's face it you know there's a there's a lot of chinos in the new town let's let's say that lot of chinos okay but also there's a lot of like birkin hair operation in the grass market in old town as well wasn't there that's where they that's where they, they, they did it, yeah. Like, hired a lot of victims. Yeah, like all of the dark history of Edinburgh, I would say probably because the Enlightenment period is more linked to the new the new town. Like the dark history of Edinburgh is more like centred around the old town in Edinburgh because you've got Nidri Street, you've got Blair Street, you've got all these kind of like where people were just like tradesmen and like there was a lot of poverty, like a lot of the plague, but obviously the vaults are in the old town as well. So it's, it's the place to be for like the ancient darkness of Edinburgh love it though fucking love it i love it too um so the wizard of Westbow. so major thomas weir was born in 1599 in carl which is not far from my mum's house oh my and, god mm-hmm. he was a descendant of one of the most powerful and ancient families of the county the weir de veers i was like fancy oh my god rhymes and everything i know weir de veers he was the son of thomas weir laird of kirkton and his wife, Lady Jean Somerville, who was reputed to possess clairvoyant powers, uh, <laughs> was a great influence on Thomas, it would find, or people would speculate in later life. <laughs> After his family had lost their lands, both Weir and his sister, Jean, known as Griselle, a spinster, I think that's like, or I've put in brackets, or a honey. <laughs> or you know a queen who knows her worth, let's just put that in there. Or a queen, um, moved to Edinburgh and lived in the West Bow, now Victoria Street. Weir was said to become a highly respected and upstanding member of society. It was later said that Thomas may have acquired, oh yeah, and I've, I've put in a wee bit about how like 
obviously he's known as the Wizard of West Bowl. So it was later speculated that because of the discovery that they made much later on and the looking into his background, that perhaps some of his, is nefarious the right word I'm looking for? I think so. Nefarious practices um, were perhaps under the influence of his mother, who was said to be entwined with potentially the dark arts. Oh, interesting. Of course, there is no obvious evidence of this. It's just speculation. But there wouldn't be, but obviously that does fit. <laughs> of course. He became a strict and devout Presbyterian, and he was a Covenanter soldier. Now, just a bit of a side thing, if you want to learn about the Covenanters, there's a rich history in Edinburgh about that. And in fact, there's a, there's a in the graveyard of Greyfriars, there's actually a whole area that's cut off for the, the Covenanters, and it's all connected with the Mackenzie Porter case. So for our guys that we might do an episode on that in later episodes or whatever, in fact, that might be my next episode. My God, uh, I love that story. Also, like, if he was a Covenanter soldier, he was basically a massive arsehole, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, massively. So, as I said, he was a Covenanter soldier. As a lieutenant, he served in the Ulster, um, Ulster during the Irish Rebellion of 1641. In 1650, he he obtained the post of commander of the Edinburgh Town Guard, thus acquiring the rank of Major, which he was laterally known. When the defeated Royalist General Montrose uh, branded a traitor um, for changing sides was brought to Edinburgh for execution, Weir notoriously and famously mocked and abused him during his custody. So he was a dickhead. So anyway, as a preacher, Weir was infamous for preaching and uh, his pious ways, um, like, like flamboyantly around Victoria Street or what was known as like Bow or whatever at the time. Do you know what he's really reminded me of? Who? Do you know the commander in The Handmaid's Tale? Oh, yeah, totally. That vibe. Vibing out to that. He became known as the Bowhead Saint and was wildly known in the whole of Edinburgh for his ways. He was a striking figure. He was tall. He was dark with a grim face and a large nose. Sad. That was an expected nose. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, he he had a really prominent snoz. And he, (laughs) he was always dressed in black and a long cloak. As a devout Calvinist, he had a particular hatred towards Anglicans, so much so, and probably Catholics as well, he had it in for them as well, so much so that it was said that he, and this is in quotes, could not so much as endure the look upon an Orthodox minister, but when he met any of them in the street, he would pull his hat over his eyes and pharisaical, I really should have, pharisaical kind of indignation and contempt. So you fucking hate them, basically. Oh, is it farcical? No, pharisaical. Let's should we Google that real quick? Are you sure it's not farcical, and they've just spelled it wrong. No, I, I think it's a, an actual word. Hold on, guys. We're just gonna pharisaical. Farcical. I could read. I don't. I don't doubt your reading skills. I wonder. Is oh okay. Emphasizing the observance of ritual and practice of over in the meaning self self righteous or hypocritical. That sounds means. like it fits. Oh my god, I'm going to start using that word now. It sounds Me smart. Too, every chance I get. Okay, Weir was known to be a thunderous preacher, um, and as part of a senior Presbyterian sect, so he was part of a kind of almost cult like thing that was in Edinburgh, where like senior religious people would get together and bitch about everybody else that wasn't being pure religious or whatever. He would pray in the streets in a state of religious fever. 
would visit local households to minister to the people living there all all the time all the while carrying a black staff with a carved human head on top that he would lean on while he was preaching that'll come up later on he would often visit and this is pure sauce he would often visit married women whose husbands were away from home which is obviously dodgy um, there was an uh, there was an attempt apparently from one woman to accuse him of immoral conduct. Conduct resulted um, it resulted in her being publicly whipped after being convicted of slander on Sir Thomas Weir or Major Thomas Weir. Publicly whipped, yeah. but it seems as though that his reputation was so untouchable from anyone um, that basically he never got done for nothing. Like her her attempt at pure me to him or whatever basically was like dismissed because of his reputation oh okay so he went around he was very well known and he was he was known for his like prayer and he was thought of as being this highly religious man who everyone was to aspire to and stuff like that and he really lived a saintly life until the shocking confession so around the age of 70 he confessed to a secret life of heinous transgressions, including an incestuous relationship with his sister, demonic activity, and witchcraft. One Sunday morning, he revealed a startling revelation of his activities through the years. At the beginning of the service, Thomas stood before the congregation, as he always did, leaning on his staff for support. As he lifted his head and raised his arms... The members of the congregation couldn't help but notice the peaky hue in his skin. When Thomas opened his mouth, it was not prayers that spilled out, but a terrible confession that bound the congregation together in complete shock. Thomas claimed responsibility for some of the most evil deeds in, like, you know, whatever. He pleaded he pled to witchcraft, necromancy, and terrible intimate acts with beasts. As I well, it started least bad and went to worst. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, um, and terrible intimate acts with beasts and his own sister. The clergy were so shocked at this confession and the change of his character that they actually thought the guy's gone mad. They thought he'd obviously lost his mind and stuff like that because this guy is so pious. How could he have? He's obviously gone mental. Yeah, literally. Okay, even it was so so meant it was so considered to be like out of character for him that even the Lord Provost um, tried to find an excuse to why this was happening and determine what the cause was because they just simply didn't believe what he was confessing to. Tell Sir, me, there's no male privilege without telling me there's male privilege. I know, right? So Sir Andrew Ramsay of Abbots Hall, who was the Lord Provost, called upon local doctors, so people like you, to come and examine him. They did so. And they determined that he was of sound of mind and knew what he was saying was correct. Thomas, even after the fact where they were saying, babes, what are you up to? Why are you saying this? It's crazy or whatever. He continued to repeat what he was saying and to basically completely and utterly back up like his obnoxious obnoxious behaviours that he'd like done, basically. So there was no remorse whatsoever. So despite the lack of belief in what he would announce, there had been, there had actually, up until this point as well, there had actually been rumours about Thomas Weir. Um, although nothing substantial had came to the forefront where people would investigate it because he had such a great reputation, it, it just didn't really come to light. There was murmurings and stuff like that. 
Um, there was one occasion that had been documented by someone. Um, and this, they think, when it was talked about, also may have driven out this confession that he gave. A few nights earlier, one of Edinburgh's respectable ladies had a terrifying experience when walking by the warehouse with her maid. As they passed the weir's door, this bizarre and strange figure of a tall woman, twice the height of a regular woman, emerged before them, cackling and writhing violently. The weird entity remained one step ahead of the woman before vanishing down a narrow close, which the followers stopped to look down. The alley was lit up with torches and resounded with eerie laughter. No lights were on the houses themselves and terrified the women ran home and told their bizarre story. So there was obviously grumblings of like, there was some shit going down in the warehouse, but no one really said anything formally about it. So after this confession and after the doctor saying like, this guy's fine, by the way, I think he's telling the truth here. At loss of what to do, the authorities decided they were going to question Griselle Weir, Jean, his sister. So his sister, instead of denying the claims, said that not only were the siblings guilty of incest, but she too had had a series of bizarre sexual encounters um, and had met with the Queen of the Fairy and the devil himself. (gasps) She also added that the walking stick Weir carried, topped with the carving of a human head, was a gift from the devil himself. She also claimed that the devil had taken them for a ride in his coach pulled by six horses, all on fire. They had visited Musselburgh for some reason. <laughs> they had visited Musselburgh. I'm going to take you somewhere worse than hell. I'm let's, go, let's, let's go to Musselburgh, that's for the shit. They had, they had visited Musselburgh where the devil told them the outcome of a battle a week before it became known in Edinburgh. So they were getting like loads of like pure tea from the dev. To add additional flavour to their dodgy ways, I literally wrote that, Jean also claimed that their mother had been a witch and that she and the Major had made a pact with the devil years prior. Okay, so word of the weirs loaded crimes, because this was pure shockeruni back then, um, soon reached the ears of the city authorities, who were quick to incarcerate the pair ready for trial. So there there was no ifs nor but. If he was sound of mind and they were both coming back and they weren't denying it, those bitches were probably guilty. Corroborated, man. Corroborated. The pair were tried and jury took only a little time to find them both guilty of their crimes in April 1670. Thomas was charged with incest adultery with various women, apparently, and bestiality. Jean... I know, I'm like, what? Um, Jean was charged with sorcery, witchcraft, and conversing with a familiar spirit, which apparently was kosher back then. While awaiting execution, they were both confined in the former leper colony at Greenside, below the Carlton Hill. Carlton Hill is stunning. Gorge. Okay. It's gorge, if you ever want to visit Edinburgh. My friend shot herself there. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, had really. she had really bad diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying names on the podcast. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna shit somewhere in in Edinburgh, why not shit somewhere with a stunning view? Somewhere of beautiful views. Yeah, totally. 
Um, side note, by the way, for all you pagans out there, um, on Cart on the Hill, they also have a Beltane festival most years, apart from when it was pandemic. And I've never seen so many bear tits in my life. So if you want to see bear tits, <laughs> you want to praise the, um, what do you call it? The, uh, what's the queen that comes in, the May queen? Go to Beltane. Did you anyway. get your boobs out? Say what? Did you get your boobs out? No, I just watched. I was going to say, I don't think I'd have the balls. I think it would be super inappropriate because I wasn't really part of the like because there's there's like a performance or whatever. So if I just like oh, ran, right? Out, okay, it wasn't like a group. You <laughs> no, it was like a bunch of hippies. It's like and now for the breasts, like bond. Right? Oh whatever. yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean that takes balls. Love that for you guys. It was people dressed as nymphs and things like that. So it was like you know, but it was really yeah. cool. I loved it. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had. So go guys. Okay. So obviously they were they were kept there. Um, Jean was hanged in the grass market and refused to repent at the to the very last moment. In fact, she never repented for her sins because this bitch was ready for it. So much so that some said that she stripped herself naked beforehand in front of everyone and was willing to die in shame. There's so many boobs in this episode. Um, maybe she was like, when she was about to be hung, maybe she was like, I've seen hell, I've been to muscle bra. <laughs> just joking just joking my best is for muscle Sorry, I was like vaping there and then was choking on the smoker <laughs> <laughs> which is like listen I've been down to Fisher Row so <laughs> to be fair all fairness if we've got people that listen from muscle bra muscle bra is all right but it's not the it's not, it's not the best is it you have lovely ice cream they do and that's it Look at the horse racing as well. They've got the yeah. devil's horses running. So anyway, so anyway, Jean died at the at the um by the hangman's noose. Still never repenting, was loving it basically to the very end. Thomas Weir was garroted and burnt. Oh. At, I know. So Do Thomas, that's I'm so sorry. Do you know what that reminds me of? What? They always use that term when they talk about the John Bonnet crime scene because there's a makeshift grot at the crime scene. Yeah, let's... Grim. That is grim. But anyway, so he was he was grotted as well. Um, so Thomas Moore was grotted and burned at the Galilee. Literally, it's called Gallows Field. Now, this actually still... You know, Edinburgh has pretty much, like, retained its old, like, everything about Edinburgh is pretty much as it was back in the day. So on the road between Edinburgh and Leith, there's a site, um, Leith, it's now occupied by the Shrub Hill Tram Depot. Depot, sorry. Depot. Depot. Uh, the Depot. Um, <laughs> then the bus garage. Um, it's near Pillarig on Leith Walk. So you can actually go and stand and wait for a tram where this guy was hung and all the shit and burnt alive basically so we are at the very last minute even though this was happening to him because he was such a pious man or everyone thought he was and they'd all followed him for so long they still thought maybe he's gone mad like maybe maybe he will repent in the last minute and and they were actually willing him to do so because they didn't want to believe that this guy that they'd followed for so long was like a you know a mad bastard or whatever um but his last words were let me alone I have lived as a beast and I must die as a beast. So he, died. he died at the stake. The black staff that he carried everywhere and leaned on for his sermons and shit, um, the black staff was also thrown into the fire. 
According to witnesses, it twisted and turned, burning for a long time before it was finally consumed by the flames. I think for everyone in Edinburgh at that time, it wasn't the crimes that were the most shocking thing. For everyone, it was the fact that they never repented their sins. I think as well, like, because he was such a role model for what is good and what should be looked up to, and then he's like, actually, I fucked my sister. Yeah. And I don't feel bad about it, even when I'm about to die. That was it, basically, because back then, I mean, Edinburgh, Scotland in general, I mean, we were, like, like leaders in the world of being the biggest religious massive twat base in the whole of the world because we literally thought at the time that Edinburgh and Scotland that we wanted to be the new Israelites and that's like literally a thing like we wanted to be closer to God than any other nation in the world and a way of doing that was to show how incredibly like you know strict we were and like Presbyterian and like we prayed all the time and we didn't do shit on Sundays and stuff like that so that was like significantly important to the na- the nation at that time so to see someone who was the archetype of what you should be then not repent on what like all the what are the some of the lowest crimes that you can and and, and what would be a civilized society to not repent was shocking yes and, and even like even nowadays if you go up highlands and islands they still shut everything on a sunday there's nowhere to go and like obviously i went to uni up north and my friends who were on placements and things like storing away and things not even play parks for kids are open on a sunday everything that and they all arrived on sundays to start placement on monday and they were like what am i actually going to eat yeah there's nowhere open i am a little fun fact about me by the way i'm actually christened which is obviously what as a baby you're brought into the church and stuff like that. I'm actually christened to one of the most strictest religious <coughs> groups in the country. That transcends though, babes, because you are definitely one of my strictest Christian friends. <laughs> yeah, fully. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was brought up though to, to know, although I was christened into that church, which is known as the United Freeze, I was in fact uh, brought up in a progressive atheist household so you know fun times what conflicts <laughs> so literally i wasn't christened but i went to catholic school <laughs> oh my god you're you're thrice the worst i'm the other i'm the other way around <laughs> I, I not only am i christened into a very very strict protestant church i also went to a catholic school they're like Let, let's just throw everything at her and see what comes out at the end <laughs> so and you're like none of it no nah, none of it thanks i'll think i'll just get into paganism <laughs> religion so <clears throat> back to the story. So although this all happened in the card and these people who I suspect were going through some a mental torment at the time, the only evidence against them was in fact their confession. There was no there was no witnesses, there was no whatever. Although they did interview Margaret Weir as part of the trial. And now Margaret Weir was the, I think, the second sister within the family of the Weirs. So like their sister. She told the court. And well, during the trial, that she had seen them naked together in bed once. So Thomas had not been charged with witchcraft, but basically he was he was charged as part of his like guilty, like why he was made like he why he was found guilty was because they accused him of laying with the devil in the shape of a beautiful woman. So his sister, his sister essentially, yeah. So. 
I mean, I'm not pure promoting incest or whatever. Like, that's, like, pure out, out of this world bad. But, like, um, you know, I do think it's a bit of a conflict, though, the fact that he was charged with incest and she was charged with being a witch. I'm just like, mm. I was just going to say that because I was just thinking, if she, if he had been a woman and somebody had said he was, they were a witch, would they have been like, ah, but there's no proof. There was no proof for anyone that got tried for witchcraft. Absolutely. There was none. None proof, none proof. Um, Double so- standards true so i had actually been as part of the research for this episode actually i've been listening to another podcast and it's actually called unearth and it's a scottish guy that does it um i know we probably shouldn't promote other like podcasts on the the show that might like conflict but good vibes sent out there i have to say he does a fantastic job he's obviously got a a huge amount of resources to hand and stuff a lot of people that he knows and he actually interviewed a lot of experts on this topic as well and he so i recommend if you listen to this episode go and listen to his episode on the on the um the wizard of west bow as well but he actually covered something that i found rather shocking and i'm going to give a bit of a trigger warning here for this so what they discussed on their podcast and some of the research that's come to light about him is that basically there was a rumor or maybe it had been validated at some point by someone but when thomas's father had died um in early years he basically started taking advantage of his sister jean so this started happening when she was age 10 where he'd made kind of sexual advances on her and thankfully no maybe not thankfully but like well yeah thankfully she had rebuffed him so for years and years he'd kind of tried to indoctrinate her into this sort of like you know brothers should lie with sisters scenario and apparently they didn't consummate or or not consummate what's the word they didn't do anything together basically until she was 16 but until that point onwards they became obviously like a regular and they started an incestuous affair that obviously lasted to the end of their lives so i don't know i guess it's something to discuss at the end of the episode perhaps that type of behavior maybe drove them both into a bit of hypocritical insanity if you know what i mean because if he's preaching the word of the lord for the whole life when in fact they're living in probably the deepest sin considered then he's like the worst version of hannah montana his double life <laughs> yes. he literally so now to the juicy stuff right or not juicy stuff we've had the juicy stuff but now to the, basically what became of west bow house so Obviously, we're wondering what happened to the Westbow house where supposedly all these deviant things happened. So as I noted as well before previously, the Westbow and his house was on Victoria Street now. And you can actually, as you walk down, you can still see where it was. On Instagram, I'm going to put up a before and after so you can see exactly where it was in Victoria Street. So if you are a resident to Edinburgh and you do listen to our podcast, you can go and see it for yourself. Because I'll get to it, but it actually still exists today. So, so after his death, people spoke of hearing his coach and horses thundering down the road. While it was claimed that his staff, which was burned with his body, as previously noted, was seen floating along the street searching for its master. Ware's house in West Bow stood empty for over a century because of its reputation of being haunted. For a cheap cost, the house was eventually bought in 1780 by an ex-soldier and his wife, who were said to have fled on their first night after seeing the form of a calf, some deviant calf, that's a baby cow, at the end of their bed. I didn't know whether he meant the cow or the calf muscle. (laughs) 
<laughs> like a leg. Oh, yeah, a leg floating in the room. I'd be like, oh, my God. I mean, I think I Was that an animal that you shagged? Was it one of his old flames? <laughs> yeah. It's like Aviva from, like, New York or whatever, throwing her pathetic leg. Oh, my God, Aviva. <laughs> oh, my God. What's lying about this? Oh, it's so funny. Anyway, um, in his letters on demonology and witchcraft, written in 1830 by Sir Walter Scott, which is a, a piece of work that I didn't, I wasn't aware of, he noted it, it is certain that no story of witchcraft or necromancy, so many of which occurred near and in Edinburgh, made such a lasting impression on the public um, as that of Major Weir. The remains of the house in which he and his sister lived are still shown at the head of the West Bowl, which has a gloomy aspect, well suited for necromancy. So that plays yeah. a shitty vibe. Although no person dared live there, people spoke of its windows were lit up at night. There were strange shapes flitting past the dirty panes and strange music coming from inside the house. Historian Dr. Jan Bodison, I think that's how you pronounce it, of Cardiff University said, Major Weir's house in the West Bowl was recognised as the most haunted in Edinburgh. And that's going some, by the way. So, the house today. So, contrary to local belief, they actually thought that the house itself had been knocked down over the years um, and it didn't exist anymore because there was a whole rework. Um, I'll talk about that. It was thought the house was lost um, when the area around the Lawn Market and West Bowl was redeveloped in the 1830s. However, Recent archaeological surveys have discovered that the house actually survives largely intact. Wow. Inside, yeah. Inside the shell of the surrounding um, facade, which was built in eight, the 1880s. So the property now, which is still there, um, is actually used by the Quaker religious community. For around 25 years, it's been occupied. So... They have encountered, and again, and on Earth, they talk to someone who actually like, like does a lot of Quaker stuff or whatever in Edinburgh, and they actually spend a lot of time in the building. So, and on Earth, they I didn't want to like steal from that podcast, but he's got like a lot of documented occurrences that happens in the house. However, um, one that's one that's been publicly shared and like a lot of news outlets and whatever that the Quaker people who go into the house have quite continuously seen the the ghost of Mr Weir and he walks between walls and is seen quite frequently within the building Oof. go to unearth if there is like if you want to know more about the experiences that have been said there an interesting tidbit about this as well is that the story of Weir has been proposed as the influence for Dr Heckle a uh, Dr Jekyll sorry and Mr Hyde of Robert Lewis wow. so that would he- make sense he said that Robert Louis Stevenson claimed that when he learned of the story of Major Weir, he could not sleep for days and was so like disturbed by everything that had occurred there. Wow. So they think that was a key influence. So <clears throat> that is what's been happening there. So that is the story of the West Bowl Wizard. That is so cool. So I've got a couple of things I want to end on <clears throat> or talk about. So... I think you might know if you've listened to the whole episode that a way back when, when we talk about where Mr. Weir was born, was actually in Carluke in Lanarkshire. As I mentioned, that's actually not too far from where my mum lives now. So I know that area, it's uh, very boggy. 
there's it's lots of barren landscape and you get like random houses here there and everywhere and and nowadays thankfully there's a lot of renewable energy sources so you've got a lot of wind farms and what have you but a lot of these communities around about that area are quite you know remote you also have castares which is like you know quite uh, renowned as being a psychiatric unit that's based out there as well yeah just to give you context of the area so this actually harks back to the Bothy episode because I saw this story and it didn't relate to a Bothy, but it actually related to the area that I was talking about. And I remember that we say that um, in this episode. So we remember we mentioned that his mum was into like, you know, weird spiritualist stuff and obviously was some sort of uh, like clairvoyant herself and that's why later yeah. they, they, they thought that you know this was something that influenced Thomas or at least his excuses to why I mean because we'll get to it but I think basically a lot of that was an excuses to his own you know admittance of sin through his life okay. an inability to take responsibility for his own actions but yeah, yeah. so on one of the forums that I noted when we were doing the both the episode I read this piece and I thought that's super interesting and I wonder if in that area there is a bit of history around this type of weird worship. So if I can read this quick thread or this quick uh, note on one of the threads around the haunted bothies that came up, I can't remember which forum it was on, but I took a note of it for in case we could use it for a later episode. And thankfully we can this episode. So this is from Walkaboot. And this was written on Wednesday, December 29th, 2010. So 12 years ago when I was only 12 years old (laughs) it's a lie okay i used to see druids when i was younger well i assumed they were druids brown hooded cloaks lanterns walking around the round trees etc other folks saw them at the different times from me but if i saw them when i was with others they wouldn't see them i grew up in west end next to state hospital carstairs which is near carluck and I think the land was forested, Forest of Carnwath. Lovely. At one time. Can anyone shed light on anyone shed any light on any association with druids and such like around that area? So potentially I was thinking maybe there was like a side to Carluca and all those bits. Because when you think about like weird paganism and weird like spiritualism stuff you don't necessarily think of like the central belt you think of like the highlands and the you know further up and stuff like that but this is like the heart of like Lanarkshire do you know what I mean and I just thought maybe I'm like maybe I'm like harking a bit too much but I'm like maybe there is a history there maybe there was some tie between Thomas Weir's mom and this type of sort of like religious like pattern or whatever about there do you know what I mean so I just thought I'd reference it as a good point but so yeah, beware. Don't be walking on the moors round about Carluke or Carstairs on a dark night because you might see some druids walking. But yeah, so that's my episode. But I thought maybe we could do a little quick discussion around about, well, I've got a few few questions, right, for, for you specifically, because I know you worked in this type of thing. But given that this guy, right, was such a pious and you know he sort of promoted himself as being like a preacher through his life and stuff like he was so thing do you think he was kind of driven mad by his sins and these eternal and the way he wanted to punish himself and to another extent his sister for their sins do you think that's probably what drove him to this mad confession or do you think he was really influenced by devil and the devil worship and stuff like that 
Well, I actually took some notes while you're chatting because I was like, remember, this was centuries ago, right? Mm-hmm. If he was assessed by today's doctor, would he be deemed of sound mind? Because Babe. even if he was found to be telling, you know, he's been completely factual about everything. Babe. If you're fucking your sister in a crap cow. Can you hold your mic a wee bit closer to you? Sorry. Oh my God, yeah, of course. Will I say that again? Uh, no, it's fine. Just keep going. It says I want you to be clear and succinct. If you're fucking your sister and cows, there's something wrong with you. For sure. Um, maybe, like, maybe it is a total, like... Do you know what it kind of reminded me of? And I don't think you're going to guess what I'm about to say here. It kind of reminds me of Jimmy Savile. Because do you know how people said that he did all these things to have this picture of being a good guy? Yeah, yeah, He went yeah. to the hospitals. He volunteered for the NHS. He did all this stuff because he knew he was, at the core... A horrible human yeah that's what he kind of reminds me of well yeah totally and also when you think about it jimmy savile would do things like charities and work in hospitals because it gave him access to vulnerable people that he could obviously take advantage of in the worst possible way and when you think about it thomas going around to everybody's houses and pretending to be this pious guy that like everyone should and then accessing women lonely women who weren't with their yeah. husbands because they were away and it t- clearly had abused that trust and it had been reported and stuff, but nothing was done about it. He was right. kind of like accessing, like, you know. Yeah, totally. Using um, power. Do I think that he was all there? No. Uh, but I think that it was almost either, like you said, like trying to trying to use his position to get new victims mm. whilst also being like, I'm going to focus so hard on being this like religious figure that it almost negates the bad things to do yeah but also I think it became too much at the end and he wanted to die in a kind of like repentance you know, maybe well, in a way but he didn't repent that's the thing like he I was know. so cocksure that what he was doing was influenced by the devil and he was doing it because he was like a terrible person and his sister was the same and so that here's another point that actually on earth episode made as well was she an abuse victim sorry trigger warning literally she was obviously abused by him through his life you know literally that's exactly what she was she's probably been gaslighted and groomed and yeah the one thing that got me though was that witness account because i was kind of like okay he said all these things but there's all these like mad things where people said that they're literally witness accounts saying, like, you know, they saw that double, like, that giant woman come out who was obviously, like, some, what they're proposing was some sort of, like, demon or some shit. And then there's also, like, you know, there was the staff that was seen that was floating around, like, looking for, like, you know, this could be farcical, like, people just making shit up to, like, sales stories and stuff. But, you know, there are people that have said that they saw things happen in the building and all that. You know what I mean? So it's not entirely yeah. his... Or their confessions that are like there, there's also stories that have like you know reinforced the sort of otherworldly deviant activities that happen and stuff. So my conclusion is that this is open ended a little bit because it is a little bit to do with someone who had deep mental health problems. They were also incredibly like obviously wanted to acknowledge that they had been a awful sinful person through their life and stuff like that but also there was obviously something else going on there and I'm like is this place haunted yes 
yes. Is this something? Yes, it is. Because if you listen to the other the other podcast as well, they talked to people that worked in the Quaker House, and they like literally were given like nowadays, like it was only a couple of year a year ago or so, first hand account experience of, of experiences they had in that house, that that Quaker place that they like you love and stuff. So there's obviously, I mean, I think this is a case of where someone who's acted so deviantly through their life that they've actually maybe brought something more into it than we know. 100%, 100%. And also, like, I always find this really, I find it really interesting when two people say that they've seen the devil. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're, are they both hallucinating? Like, I don't know, are they both high? Was there opium at this point? <laughs> and also, if they'd come up to me being like, babes, by the way, I think your brother's gone mad. Um, Do you think, I'd be like, I think he's gone mad as well, by the way. I don't know what he's talking about. I would be denying that to the, to the hilt. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, no, no, honey. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, take him to the leader's place, please. Mm-hmm. Also, it sounds like a massive dick, though, like, ugh, working as a covenant or soldier, did you say, like, nah, not a nice it, person? He, he obviously wasn't a nice person and stuff, but, like, like it's, it's, it's really weird, right? Because, like, this is actually quite a... It's like a such a, a hugely famous tale in Edinburgh, and like literally, I didn't know about it until I started researching. I didn't know anything about it until you said it, and it kind of makes me like. So, so the the um the Quaker House have been approached many many times to do like you know like most like probably most haunted like you know different shows and stuff to do investigations, but they refuse to do it because obviously it's a place of worship or whatever, and they've got their own shit going on there and stuff. But like. I don't know, like maybe that's why it's, it feels like it's almost like been like something that that happened. It was so prominent in Ed, in Edinburgh's dark history, but it's almost been suppressed. Hundred percent, I mean? it's almost like been like people didn't want people to know about it. And I do think that goes back to the whole like you know, people were so shocked that he wouldn't repent, even as he was burning. Yeah, literally. Like maybe as well, it was like a case of total acceptance of the kind of person he is yeah but I do think it's pretty spooky and I have to say right having lived there as well right I've walked home on many a dark night from like a club or like a pub in town and stuff like and sometimes when you walk down Victoria Street you walk down the grass market although sometimes it's bustling and stuff I've walked very late at night going home and there is an eerie kind of like very you can feel there's history there do you know what I mean you can like really kind of almost like going back in like I've literally walked by where they hung people at night and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like wild. I mean, we've both been in the grave, gravefires, graveyard at night where there's like loads of medieval graves. It's such a historical like. So basically, in summary, I think because there was actually an account as well that I didn't say as part of the, epi- the earlier in the episode where. He was actually known to take to his bed to actually have like mental like breakdowns and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Through his life as well. So there's obviously, but it was like the key when he turned 70. I mean, getting to 70 at that age as well. You're like, remarkable. He was working with the devil. I know. It must have been for that, for that youthful age. (laughs) No, it was so interesting though. I feel like I'm going to go and look it up. I would love, we should go. I know, I know. I'd really like to like pretend to be a Quaker for a day and be like, hiya, I'm a Quaker now. Can I come and have a look around? Let's do it. We can just buy some Quaker oats porridge and just be like, this is. 
<laughs> yeah, we love that. We love eating this every day. <laughs> I love this. Just bring it in with us. We love this setup. <laughs> I'm such a golden setup gal. So, listeners, that was the episode of the West Bowl Wizard and the Haunting of West Bowl House. Fascinating. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. I'm sure everyone else did. That was really cool. You are welcome, guys. And again, please rate, subscribe, um, have a little go on our Instagram if you can, and um, leave reviews. Like, we've only had one review on Apple, and we'd like more because we want to know how we're doing and if people like us and stuff. Yes. And also, like, we love the interaction on Instagram we've been having with everyone. We love speaking mm-hmm. to you over there. Please come and follow us. We're impartial to a wee poll. We love a poll. You love a poll. Interaction. Love a poll. And I love watching everyone's response. It just—I don't know why I love it so much. By the way, that's Olivia. Does all the polls. It's not me. It's Olivia's. Look at you removing yourself. Listen, I love the poll, guys. I lo- wait. No, I think it's good. I just don't want to give credit. I don't want to get credit for your um your insight into you know your proactiveness. Love the polls. Love it. I'm actually going to go and put one up. I'm actually going to put one up. And if you've got our Patreon, it makes sense, guys. I'm going to put it up and be like, what word? do you guys think describes our Patreon episode this week? And I'll give them four choices, but I'm going to put chaotic in there and we'll see what they vote. <laughs> Good shout, babes. They're yeah. going to get it. Yeah, they're going to get it. They smart. They are smart. But yeah, thank you for listening, guys, and have a wonderful week ahead. Hope you're having a lovely start to the new year, guys, and thank you so much for listening. Remember, Patreon, is this place on it? Is this place on it? Bye! Bye, guys. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.